good morning everyone. You're tuned to Community Radio 3CR. Time is just after 7.30 and of course it's Sunday morning and time for the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Pam Vardy and we have to say a very warm welcome to both Gwen and Roger Elliott this morning. Good morning you two. Good morning everyone. And the same from me too. Excellent. And uh, what a foggy start to the morning. <laughs> well, we, we came in from Berwick and it was clear until we hit about Blackburn Road. Oh, was it? And then you could just see the... The fog across Melbourne. I had fog all the way. I thought, I, I've thought about you because on, on the river down there, the, the fog is It's always sitting, thick yeah, on the river, yeah, but yeah. but it didn't clear even on the Eastern Freeway. No, no. And, and there was a fair amount of traffic, but mm. uh, it hadn't lifted at all. So no. I thought, oh, here we go. Anyway, it's going to be a lovely day. It is, and perfect to get into the garden because we haven't had any rain and so mm-hmm. the ground's drying out. And well, that's right. I was just walking through Fitzroy Gardens the other night and... Uh, or Treasury Gardens there, might have been, anyway. And looking down, the ground was quite dry. It is. You know, through there. Yeah, so, it's surprising. So, we, mm. we, you know, we're getting a dew in the morning, first yeah. thing on the grass, but it's not enough to no. soak into garden beds or anything. There's only been a few mills here and there, I think, unless you're lucky enough to have a, a storm. That's yeah. right. Mm. Well, yep. winter has just started. It's the first Sunday in June, so welcome to winter. <laughs> oh, well. it, it feels like winter's been going for a little while, actually. We've, we've had quite a cool autumn there at the I'm end. I'm sure I, I remember May being wet when I was a kid at school. School holidays in May were nearly always wet. Yes. Mm. Oh, well. Anyway, we had good early rain, so that was something. Yeah, that was. Mm. Yep. Uh, yeah, but the uh, the autumn leaves have definitely, uh, most of them have fallen. Yes. Most of them keep, are now keep soggy. keep raking them up. They, <laughs> they rake them up each day. I was talking to one bloke in, as I was wandering around the streets of Berwick the other day, and he said, oh, I haven't got anywhere to compost them. I said, well, you should get a compost bin, you know. But you can just put them directly onto no, your garden that, beds right, as mulch. As, as and mulch, yeah. yeah, they'll just break down. Mm. Yeah, they're wonderful things. I hope I hope I don't see anybody burning them. No, you no. don't as much these days, Thank nearly goodness. as much as you, we used to. Yeah, That's right. Yeah, just as well. <clears throat> oh, well, we are, we are going into the quiet months from the point of view of activities and happenings, but uh, I do still have a few community announcements, so we might get on to those. First up, of course, it is the first Sunday in the month again, which means that Villa Alba is open. Uh, Now, it opens this afternoon, 1 o'clock through till 4 o'clock. This is the Historic House and the RJ Hamer Heritage Garden. Uh, Admission is $10, concession is $8, children are free, and there's an afternoon tea available with a $3 donation, uh, which includes plunger coffee, a selection of teas and shortbread biscuits. So there you go. So that's Villa Alba. The address is 44 Walmer Street in Kew. Melway's reference there, 44H6. Now, uh, also, uh, the Yates Junior Landcare Grants for Gardens Programs is currently open for applications. Now, uh, this is via the Junior Land Care website and uh, applications close on Thursday the 29th of June. So uh, this is for anyone out there from... uh, It's available for schools, youth groups and childcare centres. Now, they've got 15 grants valued at 2,000 each. And um, 
what happens is that uh, the grant includes uh, $1,500 in funding plus $500 worth of Yates Garden products and also a growing consultation with a Yates Gardening expert. So um, that's, that's an excellent thing. Um, Yates are really happy to, uh, to join groups for the consultation to help them uncover the joy of the garden and uh, they want to uh, arm kids with the tips and tricks to help their garden thrive. Now, as I mentioned, interested groups are invited to submit a design for their dream garden within their school grounds or communities. Um, Yates and Junior Landcare are looking for young imaginations to run wild and think about the kind of garden they would love to grow. Veggie gardens, butterfly gardens, bush tucker and sensory gardens are just some of the projects that have been previously funded. So for more information, uh, for guidelines and criteria, and to submit an application, you need to go to uh, the Landcare website. Now that address is www.landcareaustralia, all one word, .org.au forward slash grants dash four dash gardens. So I'll read all of that again. Landcareaustralia.org.au forward slash grants dash four dash gardens. And um, uh, have a good look at the application form. And if you're in a position to apply for one of these wonderful grants, um, do certainly get those applications in because they do close, as I say, 29th of June. So you've only got a few weeks to uh, get that together. Now, Friends of Burnley Gardens have got their next plant sale coming up. This is uh, Wednesday, the 7th of June. It's running from 12 noon through till 3pm. They're going to have veggie seedlings, native plants, salvias and more. The location is the Carimbia Lawn, which is behind the Student Union building. Parking is on Yarra Boulevard and uh, they have a full list of the plants available on the website. That website is fobg.org.au. I'll say that again, fobg.org.au. And just um, a note that payments will be by cash only at that plant sale. So that's next Wednesday, 12 till 3, um, uh, out there at Burnley campus. All right. Uh, Only one more from me. Uh, The Royal Horticultural Society of Victoria have got a Gardener's Day Out coming up. Now, this is taking place on Saturday the 17th of June uh, from 9.30am. It's being held at Rusden Theatre at Deakin University, Burwood Highway there in Burwood. They've got three inspiring presentations. Firstly, Cathy Powers will um, show how gardeners can be a vital element in monitoring plant movement and diversity in the countryside. It'll be interesting, informative and encouraging participation in gaining knowledge of our environment. Second uh, presentation will be on Blooming Tasmania. Uh, which will bring you a look at Tasmania's unique garden attractions. They have over 60 gardens in Tasmania that are as diverse and interesting as anywhere in Australia. And the third presentation will be by the Gardenettes. Now, um, they're giving the afternoon uh, feature 
and it's uh, three women who formed a 50s-style approach to gardening and cooking, Chloe Thompson, Melissa King and Danny Vent. And uh, Chloe and Melissa, of course, are well known from The Garden Gurus. Danny uh, was a MasterChef finalist a few years ago, and so they'll be presenting, um, I guess, lots of information on... on uh, Garden to uh, to table with uh, all sorts of gardening and cooking there. Now they'll also be issuing out the awards for the recent Melbourne International Flower and Garden Show Hanging Basket Competition, and there'll be a large number of niche vendors with unusual plants and allied goods there on the day. Now the program commences at nine thirty. Uh, entry is $10. There will be a light lunch available for $15, but that must be pre-ordered. Uh, there'll be the plants and goods for sale with unusual items available, and there's free undercover parking and public transport nearby. Now, to book, which also includes booking for the lunch, if you're wanting that, is uh, phone number is 5367 6363 or you can email plantsia that's p-l-a-n-t-z-i-a at com. so I'll give those two uh, details again the number 5367 6363 or the email address is plantsia at com. now Roger you've got uh, happening coming up with Friends of Cranbourne. Yeah, sure have, Pam. And uh, this is going to be a day of two talks. Mm-hmm. And we have Attila Capitani is going to be the presenter of both of the talks. Now, Attila's one of these people, I don't know whether you call him a super enthusiast. He's, he's, uh, <laughs> he's certainly enthusiastic. <laughs> he's, he's, he's full on. And he, he's really knowledgeable about uh, succulents, cacti and other things like that. Now, Australia don't have any uh, cacti, but they do have quite a number of succulents. So one of the talks, the morning talk, is going to be on Australian succulents. And then the afternoon talk is going to be on boabs and bottle trees. And uh, so it's going to be an all-day thing, but people don't have to attend everything. They can select if they want to go to the, the morning talk on succulents, you can do that. Or if you just want to do the afternoon talk uh, on boabs, that's that's fine. Um, the things that the morning starts off at about 10 o'clock anyway, but Attila's going to be there signing books in the garden shop, so he's you know, produce quite a few different books on on subjects and he'll be signing those in the shop. And then he comes down to the auditorium and uh, so people have a a cup of tea and be able to... A meet and greet. A meet and greet, have a a cup of tea or coffee and stuff and uh, have a chat with Attila. And then uh, his talk is actually 11 to 12, the talk on succulents. And in the afternoon, he's up in the shop again for a while. And then uh, 2 o'clock, the talk on boabs and bottle trees. So the the prices, if you just want to come along for one of the talks, um, members of the the Friends of Melbourne and Cranbourne, that's twenty dollars. If you're non-member, twenty-five. Students, ten dollars. So that's the the price for the two separate talks. And uh, if you want to do the lot, it's uh, thirty dollars for members of the Friends Gardens Friends, or forty dollars for non-members and students will be fifteen for the two talks. Now, if you want further information. On this, um, you can go to the Friends website, which is 
rbgfriendscranbourne.org.au. And if you just click on recent news there, it'll take it'll you to, go to you'll it. see probably a photo of Attila and you can download a booking form and book that way. Excellent. Now we're going to the where the thing is happening is in the Australian Garden Auditorium. So it's uh, if you go up to the visitor centre and uh, at Cranbourne Gardens, and if people haven't been to the Cranbourne Gardens, it's looking quite good at the moment. Um, it's the corner of Bellato Road and Botanic Drive in Cranbourne. Now Melway, not many people use. Do they still use Melways? We do. I do. Do yeah, good. <laughs> Melway map one three three G ten. But uh, so it, it, you know, if you want to come just to attend to the talks, and you can have a wander through the garden, and uh, so it'll be a, a really good day because he's a fantastic presenter. You know, you, you really get people inspired. So that's on Saturday the seventeenth mm-hmm. of June. So that's not far off. No, it isn't. Yeah. And I presume there's morning tea, afternoon yes, tea. Yes, morning and afternoon tea. Yeah, we have a really good caterer, Liz McDonald. She organises the catering. Okay. So, so there'll, be, there'll be some good things there. Excellent. All right. Gwen, have you got something there? Yeah, I've got a couple here, Pam. Okay. Um, <clears throat> the first two are sort of botanic garden ones, but in Melbourne this time. And I, I was going to say it's not plant-related, but I'm sure it is. On Saturday the 24th of June, the Friends of Melbourne have got uh, a garden book sale. So if um, you're interested in books on gardens, gardening, horticulture and all this, those sort of subjects, they're going to have heaps of pre-loved books at, you know, bargain prices. Uh, in a Mueller Hall, the main um, hall of the herbarium at the Botanic Garden in Burwood, um, Burwood Avenue, isn't it, Rod? Yes. South Yarra. Yep. Yep. Uh, now that's 10 a.m. till 3 p.m. on Saturday, the 24th of June. Uh, just that one day. Uh, so, you know, put it in your diary and pop in, and I'm sure there'll be heaps and heaps of bargains there because while some people are keen to get books that are no longer in print, often others are sort of cleaning out their bookshelves. And um, so it's, you know, some lovely pre loved things. Another one, which is also this month, Thursday the 29th. Now, Virginia is not around at the moment, but somebody else must be doing it. It's always popular. The Chocolate and Spice Walk. Oh, yes. Perfect <laughs> for winter time. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, my goodness. I think it says members only here. Oh. This, this is because it's so popular. Look, ring the gardens if you're interested in this and maybe you might join and be, become a member. But it does say members only. Ah, I didn't see that little line. $20 it's going to cost. But um, they, do, as you say, they do that every year. And for some reason, the chocolate and spice walk is very, very interesting. I was also watching Gardening Australia last night and they had a chap on who um, his interest, his passion, his enthusiasm is flies. I don't know if you saw it, Pam. It was fascinating. Oh, the number of flies, you know, and um, and when people sort of say to him at dinner parties, you know, what do you do? I'm an entomologist. Okay, what do you study? I study flies and their sort of jaws drop and eyes look elsewhere or something. And he said, without flies, there would be no chocolate in the world. That's so- right. <laughs> 
There's something about chocolate, isn't there? There you go. <laughs> so there you go. And the other thing I was going to mention in between those two, on Sunday the 25th, I think we've got our 3CR radio thing where there'll be some bargains. Have. Yes, there'll be a lot of bargains. We're, we're collecting all sorts of goodies at the moment to tempt everybody. So that's Sunday the 25th. We will actually be on air from 7.30, running right through until 10 o'clock. And then, of course, as we usually do, we'll invite all of our listeners to pop down to the station afterwards. You can have a cup of tea or coffee with us. Um, I'm going to be making some goodies to eat. I know AB is going to be making something too. I don't know what she's baking this year, but uh, you can come down and meet the team, have a cup of tea or coffee with us. Um, If you haven't made a decision what you want to uh, purchase, you'll be able to look through all the books or whatever other product there is out in the courtyard. Um, but we'd love to see you down here. So, uh, And, of course, this is our one major fundraiser for the year. This is what the station relies on for public support for all our uh, general expenses, our running costs. This is what keeps uh, not only the station but the 3CR Gardening Show on air for the next 12 months. So uh, please just jot that, uh, that date down, the 25th, of June. Of course, it's a Sunday morning. Of course, it's in the gardening show time slot. And uh, we'd love you to participate and support the station and support the gardening show in particular. And we have some very good supporters. I mean, p- people like um, Seasol, Maxicrop, you know, and the courtyard gets chock-a-block with products that we can all use either ourselves or as gifts. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, they have a, a long use-by date usually, so you can even – I know a lot of people come and do their Christmas shopping uh, because there's bargains to be had. And even if your garden is full and your bookshelf is full, uh, things like those seaweed products – and there's a number of other companies too that support us very generously, and mm. we do appreciate that. Uh, there are gift vouchers from nurseries often. So if you're not sure what to get, you can pick up a gift voucher. So keep that in mind. The date again is Sunday the 25th of June. And after you've been into 3CR, if you want to make a day of it, there's a talk on eucalypts at Cranbourne in the afternoon. It doesn't start till 2 o'clock, so you'll be out of the studio by then. hmm. That's right. And when we talk of eucalypts, they'll be covering their allies. So things like angophras, which are... And Carimbias, which used to be Eucalypts. That That's group. the flowering gum group. Yeah. Yes. Mm. And the chap talking is Frank Udovicic, and he's from the National Herbarium at the Royal Botanic Gardens. And okay. Frank, Frank's good. Good. And uh, he'll also be talking about uh, the Vic Flora online. This mm. is a. Anybody can access this where you can find out all information about all native plants of Victoria. And there's lots of information there. There's photographs. And it's really a, a, a top uh, online resource. So Excellent. Uh, he's going to be talking about that too. Okay. Yep. Wonderful. But back to that, if you wanted, the Botanic Gardens website or the Friends of Cranbourne yeah. website has yeah, got um, information about that. Um, or another a phone number for that is 8774-2483. Uh, $25 for non-members to go to that afternoon talk, but make sure you come into 3CR first. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay, you are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. Um, We do have Gwen and Roger Elliott 
in the studio this morning, so we're talking all things uh, Australian native plants this morning. But if you'd like to uh, join the conversation or to ask a gardening question this morning, do give us a call. We'll open up those talkback lines now. That number is 94190155. That's 94190155. Roger, let's make a start. We've got so many wonderful plants to talk about this morning. It's great. Actually, I brought a few things in. I thought just about foliage okay. could start off because, um, you know, foliage is there all the year, of course, as we've probably mentioned before. On and this so many people overlook show. foliage. Yeah, that's right. So yep. there's just a, a few different ones. One here with a like an oak leaf. It's a soft, furry oak leaf, just a small oak leaf. Mm-hmm. And it's a, a plant called a tamasia. Um, it's called tamasia solanacea, S-O-L. A-N-A-C-E-A, because the the flowers look a bit like a potato flower, Solanaceus solanum type flower, um, white flower. The flowers aren't really this spectacular, but they're there for a long time. But the foliage is really good. It's, it's a, a lightish green. It's not a real dark green. And it's a great screening plant. It'll get up to probably two to three metres high, and you can hedge it if you wish. It uh, responds very well to that sort of thing, but it's it's just a, it's a lovely plant for especially for background planting. It's not, mm-hmm. and uh, so I know we've got a couple of them, and they're in in probably three years. They are now nearly two two meters or so high, and uh, so Tamasia, like Thomas, with an I A on the end, Solanacea, S O L A N A C. E-A, but it's a, it's a really good thing. The leaves get, how big is that? Probably about seven, eight centimetres long and probably not quite as wide across. Um, uh, you know, that could almost be called quercifolia, which a yep. lot of plants with leaves like that, we haven't discussed the leaf shape, but it's a bit oak-like, not... Mm. I mentioned that, I think, in the oh, Did you? Yeah. Oh, well, we didn't mention the word quercifolia. Gwen doesn't listen to me. Uh, lots, <laughs> lots of... Um, uh, lots of plants with leaves like that have mm. the name Quercifolia because Quercus is the oak, but the botanist who named that obviously went with the yeah. Solanum-type flower. So yes. you've got to make decisions, don't you? But, and hmm. there is a Tamasia Quercifolia with much smaller leaves. Ah, well, that's and why he couldn't call it that, wasn't well, that, it? that's probably that's right. That's right. Someone and beat him to it. Yeah, <laughs> with a mauvely purplish flower and it's a low... Low, not a ground cover, but it's a, a, a low shrub. And it, it's the Tamasia family. Uh, there's some really wonderful plants, and they're tough. A lot of tough Tamasias. Oh, so good on Thomas. Worth, yeah. Um, an interesting pleated leaf. Um, it's called a Molinaria. Now, it used to be stuck in the lily family, um, and it has these leaves. They get up to about a metre or so in length. And they're they're pleated, heavily pleated leaves, and so they get around about probably seven eight centimeters wide, a bit wider. And um, the really great thing about this plant, it's a tropical thing. It grows in Asia, but it comes into northern Australia too. And uh, the species name is Capitulata, C A P I T U L A T A, and that means it's referring to the flowers being in. Heads, but the flowers are right down at the base of the plant, okay. and they're bright yellow. Mm. And it, it's a lovely thing. Likes shade, and even being tropical, does quite well here in Melbourne. I was going to ask you that. Yeah, but you're, yeah. you're obviously growing it. Yeah, it, it don't, 
needs some protection here. If yes. you stick it out and uh, you get frost, okay, the, the frost will damage the leaves. But so the, uh, against a north-facing wall or yeah, something? Yeah, that would be fine. Or even, yeah, an east-facing wall okay. would be fine. Okay. So it doesn't get any, you know, really hot sun yes. on it. Uh, it's a wonderful container plant too. So, um, so that's Molinaria capitulata, and uh, but it's just these bright yellow, probably about the colour, or maybe a bit. Uh, I've got a lemon here, <laughs> a ripe lemon, um, and it's a brighter yellow than that, maybe wow. with, with a tinge of orange. You know, right? So the little spectacular. Clusters. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah. Where you buy them, it might be a bit hard to find them, but uh, you might pick them up at specialist Australian plant nurseries. Okay. So, yeah, worth worth having a, a look out for. And if people are wanting a tropical look around a pool or something, that would mm. be ideal, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'm trying to think. There's a, a common um, um, plant that's grown, which is very similar. Aspidestra. No, yeah, no, 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 no it uh, has that same sort of leaf. It's a, a grassy thing. Uh, I don't know what it's called, pigeon grass. I forget now, but it's... Um, it, it, Anyway, some people may may know what I'm talking about. Um, and then I've just bought a, a Dorianthes leaf, the the palm lilies, um, Dorianthes palmeri. So they're a plant that you need lots of space. Probably you need four or five metres across. Oh, right. <laughs> in, in, okay. In time. Yes. And, and then they get these huge, big arching flower stems of bright, usually red flowers. And the honey eaters get drunk on them because the flowers sit up, and when it rains, it gets in there, and the nectar ferments. And so, oh right, you see the honey eaters doing rather strange things sometimes. <laughs> but um, but I in the Royal Botanic Gardens, Melbourne, just near the Children's Garden, there is a an apricotish mm. coloured uh, selection. I thought maybe somebody had sprayed something and and changed, you know, the, when the, when the flower first came out. But every year it comes out that colour. Okay. But uh, but if you're wanting some rather drastic foliage, or not drastic, but really impressive foliage, um, Dorianthes are quite good for doing. And the other one, Dorianthus excelsa, doesn't get quite as large, but it doesn't flower as well as Dorianthes palmeri in, okay. in, in Melbourne. So, yes, okay. Um, yeah. So Wonderful. Thing. And a brachychiton leaf. And um, that's really... What, type, what sort of leaf would you call that, Pam? Goodness it's, me, it's huge for a start. <laughs> I mean, it's bigger than your, than your outspread yeah. hand. It, it's like, like, like a very broad-fingered hand. hand yes, yeah, so. yes. But the bra- brachychitons, they have some really wonderful foliage. So, and uh, one of the things with brachychitons, when they're going to flower, they'll drop these everywhere. And um, but uh, so just from different foliage, and even if you want, we've got one just growing in a pot, and this is what this has come off, and it's only about oh, a meter high. Mm-hmm. Uh, in time, it'll have to you know go somewhere else. But they will live in a pot for a long time. Okay, they have a like a carrot-like root that they don't have a typical root system, and uh, so the brachycons, the bottle trees, uh, in in the same same group. So. Yeah, just different types of foliage that you can have in your garden. And another one I've just brought in is a wattle tree, Acacia argyrophylla. And argyrophylla means silvery leaves. I was going to say, that's very silvery, isn't it? Yeah, and the new growth is tends to have this yellowish tinge 
to it. It's a South Australian acacia, and uh, once again, it's not readily available, but it does well here, mm. and it is long-lived. And uh, That's a change? Yeah, well, some of them do live long, but yeah. other, others are just pioneer plants. That's their role in life. That's right. They just uh, come up, puts a bit of nitrogen in the soil, and then they die. Um, but this one is a good one. And it has bright yellow ball flowers too, so you get a, a nice comment. But it, it's just as a foliage plant, you know, people went mad, I suppose, on leucodendron uh, argentium, wasn't it? Yeah, the uh, silver, I forget now the common name of the leucodendron with the silver foliage. But um, And that doesn't live for, forever, but this will last much longer than that. So Acacia argyrophylla or argyrophylla. Okay, mm. wonderful. Yeah. That uh, that phone number again, if you'd like to join us this morning, do give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. The number is 94190155. That's 94190155. We are running through until 9.15, so uh, finish that cup of tea or coffee and then jump on the phone lines and give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. One thing I've mentioned is that, pardon me, about four years ago we moved to a very small garden. But it doesn't mean that you've got to stop gardening or even reduce gardening terribly much. Roger's probably brought in, I reckon, maybe 25 or more different plants in flower this morning Mm. just from our retirement village garden. No, it's an over 55s village, but we've got... I haven't retired. No, no, no. And lots of people in the village have not retired. They've just chosen to have a smaller space. And uh, we sort of do a lot of things both in our garden and at Cranbourne Botanic Gardens. But um, And the other thing is, at this time of year, there is so much in flower. So give us a ring and let us know what's flowering in your garden, whether it's native or non-native. And the other thing I'd encourage people to do if you're thinking well there's not much in flower in my garden today's not necessarily the day you want to go out and plant but go and visit a botanic garden a local community garden um, any garden that's open in your area particularly in your area because I know our listeners um, come from a very diverse range of areas but there are public gardens all round from Mornington Peninsula up to Mount Macedon and the Dandenongs. Go and have a look at what's in flower at the moment because mm. there is, and any time of the year when you think things are a bit dull in your garden, take a notebook and, I was going to say a notebook and pencil, but people don't now. They take their take mobile phone. <laughs> take a photo of it, write down the name of it, and when you're ready to plant, whether it's next week or next month or whenever, Go along to your nursery and say, have you got this, whatever it might be, the tamasia or whatever, uh, and you'll know that that's going to be a plant that is suitable in size for the spot that you've got spare. Uh, Now's the time when you can do a lot of garden planting, particularly as today will be quite a pleasant day to do it. Roger was out yesterday walking around the bushland at Cranbourne and... um, you know, it wasn't windy, it wasn't wet, it was just very enjoyable weather. Mm. Mm. So that's my tip for the day. Excellent. Go and look around at what's in flower or ring us up and tell us what's in flower in your garden. Absolutely. And you can also even look to what's coming in flower. I've just brought in a couple of wattles and... Uh, and they're just, they're just well, in, yeah. in Eltham, they're, they're ready to burst forth. That, that, they're not quite there, but they're on the cusp. That, that's right. <laughs> and... Uh, these aren't 
actual local ones, but uh, I know just down at Cranbourne there was a lot of Acacia Suave Olens in flower, the sweet-scented wattle, yesterday. And uh, so they, they were out and about. But uh, Snowy River wattle, this is a thing that we, I know I often talk about as, as being just a wonderful uh, small wattle for gardens, long-lived, and uh, it will sucker, and you can get a lovely copse if you've got room, I know. I found some coming up in the little gap in in our roadway in front of us. Oh, right. So so it it can, but it's just Acacia Bormanai, it's B-O-O-R-M-A-N-I-I, Snowy River Wattle, and it'll start flowering probably July, and uh, you'll have about six weeks of of bright yellow, or yeah, yeah, bright yellow, I'd call it, it's a wattle that the flowers don't get messed up by rain. Ah. Oh. So things like Coonamundra wattle, which is spectacular and that, the, the flowers, you know, you get heavy rains and it'll damage the yes. flowers. But with Acacia bormanii, that doesn't happen. Uh, the foliage is slightly greyish and uh, it'll grow three metres, maybe four metres high and uh, it's just a really wonderful winter flowering wattle. And the leaf-like phyllodes are very narrow. They're only a millimetre or two wide and, oh, here we go, two inches long, what, three centimetres long or something. Oh, so yeah, they're just, bit, bit, just yeah. small leaves. Yeah, there's a little bit of variation. You'll get some with slightly broader leaves than that. But mm. uh, And the other one is this is a prostrate form of the oven's wattle, Acacia brevissima. And this is fantastic for just letting drape over walls, embankments, and things like that. It's a very striking leaf, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, so. and, it, and the, as you say, the long trailing uh, branches, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Little so triangular the, leaves. Yeah. yeah, triangular, greyish green again. It looks as though it should be prickly, Roger. Yeah, not prickly. Uh, not no, prickly no, at all. No, nice and soft. Wonderful. And uh, not as not a real bright yellow, but it, it's, a, it's a good yellow. And uh, But it's um, there's been a few of these introduced into the nursery trade as prostrate, you know, uh, plants. One I know years ago we introduced, which we thought was going to be prostrate, uh, sold as golden carpet, uh, but it, it builds up to maybe metre and a half or so in right. height. Uh, the, the one here, this is the, the one you see mainly in nurseries now, the prostrate one, it might get to say 50 centimetres high. And uh, it'll it'll spread probably three four meters. So, okay, very uh, very useful plant. But, uh, but fantastic for just hanging you know over any types of walls, concrete walls or things like that. It'll it'll do. It'll do really well. soften that whole hard yeah, look. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, so these things are just in full bud. So we're looking forward to those happening in, Absolutely. in the next month. Absolutely. Okay, we're going to go to our first caller, and we have uh, Barbara, who's in Brighton. Good morning, Barbara. Good morning. Uh, I love listening to uh, 3CR on Sunday mornings before I go to church. Oh, um, <laughs> now, I've downsized from a uh, fairly big garden. We used to live at Rip and Lee there. Uh-huh. And um, so here I started with a blank um, uh, picture, let's just say. Yes. Because we cleared everything out of the little townhouse. But I have a lovely garden. I have It's full of salvias uh-huh. and abutilons. Okay. And most of these have come, I belong to a garden club run by U3A yep. and we bring cuttings along and one thing another. And I'm looking out of my window here at a beautiful salvia mm. that's taller than the fence. Mm. 
covered in red flowers with a little tip of navy on the end. Uh Wonderful. And the abutilons, and of course at the moment the wattlebirds are all coming in and having a little go. They'll love them. (laughs) Yes, and um, so we're able to grow uh, herbs and things lower down and, um, you know, over the time I've watched where the sun comes and planted, you know. So, you know, you can have a small garden but still have... Lots of lovely things. Uh, you're right. Absolutely. Perf- yeah, I love a garden. <laughs> Good. <laughs> anyway, all the best there. All right. Thank okay. you. Good Thank on you. you. Thanks for phoning. Thank Bye. you. And I think one of the exciting things about a garden and gardens is the birds. And, you know, we've got actually Roger picked one Grevillea moonlight, which he'll show us a bit later perhaps, um, big sprays of creamy. He's got there it up here now. Uh, and just before he picked this yesterday, there was a, 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 a little bird, little little water little bird. water bird on it, and I said he's going to be really annoyed at you because that's the one he was you know feeding from a few minutes ago. But fortunately, there are others on the plan. But you know, having the birds in your garden, it's it's just lovely. Um, so. One of and butterflies. You have to have the odd caterpillar if you've got a butterfly. But having the birds come to your garden um, is a real joy. I know I woke up very early this morning to come to three CR. It wasn't light, but I could hear the birds outside. They're mm. up before we are. Oh yes. And um, plants like Grevillea moonlight. I may as well talk about it while we've got it here. That can get to, what, four metres tall yep, or something? Yeah, four metres might get to five. If you, yeah. You can so, grow it as a small tree if you wish, mm, but it can um, be pruned back and you can keep it as a, a shrub. Yeah, yeah. but um, anyway, it's, a, it's one of the lovely Cream ones. flowers, massed, yeah. massed flowers in, in terminal you know, spikes at the ends of branches and it can flower nearly all year. And uh, we've it's got a, a very showy flower, yeah. isn't it? And yes. and and that that colour cream really lights up. It's it's almost luminous, yes. isn't it? Yeah. Especially on dull days, oh, Pam. You know, perfect. And, and that's you know to think about that because I know I bought in a coria, which if we get time we can talk about, has got similar colour. Mm. And uh, sometimes when you've got dull corners or corners which can be a bit shady, and you just want some extra oomph, yeah. But that that that's beautiful, and and the foliage is of quite a dark green. Yeah, so the contrast between the two is is lovely. Yeah, slightly. I suppose you'd call it a ferny type foliage, deeply divided. But it's uh, one of the Grevillea banksi hybrids. There's lots of them around. But Grevillea moonlight is a is a good performer. Mm. Yeah. Okay. We next we have uh, Sue, who's out in Narriwarren North. Good morning, Sue. Oh, good morning. I I just switched on the radio and heard Gwen saying, "Tell us what's in flower in your garden." Yeah, we'd love <laughs> to know. Well, I've got uh, at the front a lot of ground cover or small grevilleas, Mount Tamboritha, okay, and good. another one with a finer leaf whose name I can't recall. Uh-huh. It's all in flower. Yep. But the little wattle words prefer the Anthony Parker salvia that's outside the landscape. Okay, window. okay, yeah. Uh, my Banksia ericofola is just full of flowers to develop. Mm-hmm. And down the back, I've got the salvia that the previous caller said, which I'm trying to find out the name of okay. uh, in my book. <laughs> uh, lots of salvias, Iodanthe, Madrensis, Megan's Magic, uh, Phyllis Fancy, and it's just so colourful at the moment. Yes. And a huge um, tree dahlia, which I think is late this year, uh, which I can see from my kitchen window. 
Does yeah. the frost knock your tree down, you usually, Sue, or...? Um, not, oh, well, I think one's fallen over, and my neighbour was actually cutting down some limbs the other side. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, near one of them, but the other one's still flowering. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah, because I'm actually thinking I'll write an article for a Salvia newsletter because I've just got so much colour. Yes. And, and it's quite interesting that, you know, people say, I oh, know, uh, you're into natives and that, but... But the wattle birds and everything, they just... Oh, yeah. And they're, a lot of honey eaters love salvia. Yeah. Oh, oh, yes. yes. Oh, they do. They're not yes. selective. If they know that they've got tubular flowers with nectar, they'll go for them. That's yeah. right. Yeah, so it's, you know, I think because we've just had such a mild autumn, uh, everything's uh-huh. flowering just wonderfully at the moment. Yeah, yeah I no. think there was that early rain. We, yes. you know, we had those good rains in in autumn, early autumn, oh. and uh, it made a huge difference. I think, yeah. Yeah, so I've got lots of colour. Wonderful on you. That's great, Sue. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you. Because I, I did bring a, a sample in of uh, Gravillia lenidra, so-called Mount Tamboretha form, and it's a low-spreading plant. Might get to fifty, sixty centimetres high, maybe to a metre and a half or so across and it's um, cream with a pinkish or reddish pink I suppose you'd call it but just just massed in flower and uh, it's a really good reliable plant grow in full sunshine flowers best there but it will tolerate some shade mm-hmm. but, it's, um, but there's quite a few different selections of Gravillia lenidra they can be tall or they can be low and spreading so, okay. and there's some just greenish cream flowers so it's a, a lot of variation in that species well that's certainly a mass of flowers yeah. goodness me <laughs> yeah. so, so. couldn't count them on no, a sprig no. wonderful okay let's now go to uh, Sharon who's in Cheltenham good morning Sharon oh good morning um, I was wondering whether uh, Roger could spell the name of the acacia was it agrophilia oh, agrophilia good on you oh, it's uh, Argyrophila. It's A R G Y R O P H Y double L A. Oh, okay. Argyrophila, and that silver leaves or silver foliage is is what the name means. Very good. Um, but it's a lovely plant, and you don't see it around much. Uh, it's very compact. Um, flowers. Later on, it'll be mainly spring and even into summer. You might still get some flower on it. And uh, the foliage itself is probably around about uh, two to three centimetres long and two centimetres wide or so. It's a slightly oval. um, Well, they're not true leaves, but uh, what they call phyllodes. But that's a really good thing. Oh, well, I'll look that one up. Yeah. Uh, and the acacia gribison, was it? Um, I'm just... Previsima. Previsima, sorry. Yeah. Acacia previsima is um, P-R-A-V-I-S-S-I-M-A. Oh, okay. And it's um, commonly called ovens wattle, but these are uh, cascading or spreading, low-spreading selections of it. It usually uh, gets up as a large shrub, probably three metres, four metres high. Right. But these are just selections that have uh, come to be in the nursery trade. And it's, uh, if you're ever going up towards Wangaratta, if you go through Yay and up the 
Oh, but yeah. Nilakuti Lake, there, that's acacia previsima that will be oh, in flower okay. along there soon. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, I was planning to move a camellia today. Is that... Yeah, it'd be fine. Will it? Oh, yeah. good. Yeah. Hmm. They're pretty tough things. They are. <laughs> <laughs> Just try and get as much, you know, soil mm. around the root mm. ball as you can. Oh, yes, I will. Yeah. How big is it? Oh, it's... Probably a metre and a half. Ah, yeah, that, that'll be It'll fine. It'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. good. Yeah. I um, planted about six grevilleas. I took out my salvias and put grevilleas. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I've lost, just slowly losing every one. Are you? Yes. I wonder why. I, I wonder don't why. know. It's so... <laughs> the yeah. salvias were yeah. fantastic. But better better replant your salvias. Um, oh. I don't know. Do you know what the names of the grevilleas you planted? No, they they definitely weren't indigenous to this area. Okay, yeah, that's, that's all right. not. Usually. No, no, that's all right. Could they have been too wet and waterlogged? I was wondering about drainage. Yeah. Yes, look at sandy soil. Yeah. Oh, yeah. so it should be all right. But but um, you know you you never know the answer to that one. It's tricky. that's right. Yeah, yeah. The other alternative may be the root ball dried dried out. How long ago did you plant them? Oh, I think I planted them about a year ago and they're just slowly dying. I bought another one to replace one from a local nursery and now that's dying. Oh, dear. It's terrible. Maybe it's time. I mean, there are ways you can do soil testing and all of that, um, but an alternative would be to look perhaps for a different group of of plants that will do the same thing for you. Um, That's just the the coward's way out or something, but... I think that's what I go for. I hate feeling like I'm um, an absolute failure. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 never. None of us. I, I just wonder whether the so- the um, the ball of soil or potting mix might have dried, the- which can be a tendency in, in potting mixes because it's uh, mainly based on pine bark and uh, sometimes they do dry out. I just wonder whether Yeah, that, that could fit with the timing because... Yeah, actually- I just wonder. Yeah. Even just, you know... Um, stick your finger down and uh, try and work into where the the ball root ball is, and just see. Um, even to being in sandy soils, whether you you know put a soil wetter on, maybe which may may help, but that can be a problem sometimes. Yes, very odd. Anyway, yeah. look, thank you very much for those spelling. That's all right. Good. <laughs> okay. Well, good luck with the grevilleas. Yes. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. You are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. We're running through until 9.15, our usual time slot. In the studio this morning, we've got Gwen and Roger Elliott, so we're talking all things Australian native this morning. If you'd like to join the conversation, do give us a call. That number is 94190155. Pam, Sharon was saying about not wanting to feel like a, a failure in the garden and uh, I think before her, Barbara was saying she'd recently moved. Moving to a new site can have its challenges, uh, particularly if it's a recently constructed building, um, house or, or estate or whatever it might be, because all sorts of things happen underground um, and are done by people who aren't really concerned with gardening. That's exactly right. <laughs> and you can end up having a spot that's just uh, got all the builder's rubble imaginable under it. Or I know when we moved in, 
where we are. Roger did digging. Uh, where we are is sort of cut and fill area. So oh, yeah. Yeah, huge, some, huge cut, actually. Huge cut. cut yeah. Huge cut, but not much fill. <laughs> yes. And, um, you know, sometimes you, you think, You'll have topsoil, and there's, you know, an inch it's and a half of topsoil. That's right. Uh, and the rest is solid, deep clay. And often it's been compacted by the, the builders. The, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, that's And their true. machinery. Um, and yep. your pH can be affected if they've dumped stuff oh, yeah. there, we, got, excess concrete or cement or whatever you've got. But yeah. I'll, over to you, oh, Rog. No. We, we've got one spot, which is – it's not a very large spot, but uh, – planted a uh, couple of things in there and especially a plant called Astartia winter pink uh, which is uh, has like a little starry flower and uh, it's in the myrtle family and it just goes yellow all the time. I put iron chelates on it and it'll come back looking good for a while and then it just goes yellow again Yes, and it's right it is planted right next to a footing of a fence post ah. and undoubtedly there's some extra lime coming out of the, the footing maybe but it's, yeah, some of those, you know, problem areas yet there's also just a little bit further down is the lemon set of myrtle back house here, which is fine. Okay. So you just got this, you know, I think I'm just about to pull it out but <laughs> I'll let it flower first. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so it's, uh, yeah, so you do get these spots and... Um, they, it can be problematical. Oh, there's another spot where we've got some scavolas too, um, and they tend to go yellow. Mm. And, it, and once again, it's fairly close to the footings of the building, and there could be stuff, you know, way down, which has just been chucked in, uh, old, you know, bits mm. and pieces of building rubbish. Uh, so, yeah, so that, that can be one of the problems. We've got one caller who didn't want to go to air, Roger, uh-huh. wanting to know, did you plant into this cut clay oh, yeah. or okay. did you bring in? Okay. Um, yeah, fine. That's a good question because um, it's probably the area is over two metres, more than two metres, uh, probably nearly three metres where they've cut into the embankment. Where we are is volcanic soil, fairly well-drained volcanic soil. Um, and... Uh, where we planted in, what we did, um, it was an old lawn at the back and we just got rid of the lawn and planted into that. But we did dig it all over quite well. Uh, we didn't bring any additional soils in because sometimes that can bring problems. It can. So, it, so we just tried to work with what we've got. We did put some gypsum in or clay breaker, uh, which is liquid, and find that I think it's called groundbreaker these days, mm-hmm. but uh, find that really good for clay soils um, because sometimes gypsum won't work with all soils. Um, we probably have mentioned it before, but we'll mention it again. good way of testing whether gypsum is going to work on your clays is you get a bit of your, your clay soil, put it in a jar uh, and with some water, put a lid on it, shake it up madly until it becomes all cloudy leave it for 12, 24 hours, and if it's still cloudy in the morning or afternoon, um, gypsum will work. If it goes all clear, uh, gypsum probably won't work for it. So, uh, But uh, things like groundbreaker, and there's a few different products around, they're, they're, they're quite good. So that's what we did. Uh, we forked it over. Not, I'm not a... a Proponent of digging over the spades. No, I'm not either. Um, but because uh, forking just tends to aerate the things better. Um, 
But one sometimes when you do fork over, um, your level of the soil is becomes higher than what it was originally, and then will subside a bit in time. Mm. So you just mm. need need to watch that. But uh, so that that was the main treatment. Clay is really good for growing things in, as long as the drainage. It holds good. the nutrients too. Yeah, much much better for nutrient holding. So uh, yeah, so that was mainly what we did. Oh, I think but, you I think you've left out an important thing, right? What, what have I left out? <laughs> well, we wanted to grow some food plants in the back garden. Oh too. yeah, yeah. We and, built up beds for that, and yeah. we realised that this soil wasn't going to be good for our veggies and herbs and things. I don't know about that, but I just saved me bending over. Oh well, whatever it was, <laughs> we. Uh, brought in two, I think. We've got two large, um, what do you call them, box, big box things to plant our veggies in. And so we did bring in quality potting mix to put in these veggies. Yeah, but we brought compost from our old place. Oh, we did? Oh, yes. We've got two compost bins and and we stopped by the side of the road and got some horse manure and, you know, all this sort of thing. So we now, you know, there's nothing like growing your own food plants, as Pam would know very well. Absolutely. You know, to be able to just walk out into the garden and pick whatever herbs you want. We're still eating tiny tomatoes, actually. They've all been pulled off the plants and Roger threw the plants out, but I've had them sitting in a container on the kitchen window ledge and they're still ripening. They probably haven't got the flavour no. of no, no. when they were, you know, if they had ripened on the bush. But but I took them out to pl- put in some snow peas, and my snow peas didn't come up. But the mm. um, we've got Brussels sprouts in with seedlings which oh, are yeah. given to us, and broad beans coming up. But this one I've brought in front of me, I really enjoy. It's called, I think, giant red mustard. That's that right, Pam. Yes. Um, and it's it's a leaf that is oh close to thirty centimetres long. It's twice as big as that. I know. Well, mm. there are bigger ones at home. Roger says, but it is so ornamental in the garden. Um, it is a combination of a dark green and beetroot colour. The leaf. Um, now you can eat it raw, um, and it's quite mustardy. But I find if you put it in a anything, a stir fry or anything. Put it in as you're serving because if it's heated for a few seconds, it loses the the strong peppery flavour. But if you want something that grows very quickly um, from seed, usually we plant it, um, and is going to look very ornamental in your garden, this giant red mustard, it, it's a clump-forming plant. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's great. So you know, How do you use it, Pam, do you, as far as cooking? Oh, I, I tend to – it depends how much you like the heat yeah, of yeah. the mustard. Um, I, I find it actually quite strong. Yeah. So oh, yeah. I tend to not use it in, in salads. I tend to not use it raw. Yeah. So yeah. I, I tend to, to throw it more into things like soups yeah. um, mm. where, where you know, I don't get that, that same mustard. No, it in. seems to lose it quite it does, quickly, quickly when it's heated. Yeah. But sometimes, sometimes we might put flowers in the salad. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The flowers right. can be mm. can be mm. good fun. We put mm. a lot of flowers of you know basil and all sorts of things into. And of course, like any in. leafy greens, you've got to watch out for the snails and slugs. Yeah, they can. We don't have very many, actually, do we? We we have a few, but you know we've got a good number of birds. Well, and I, I must admit, I do put a bit of that multi guard out. Well, multi guard's good because it's not toxic. It's just iron which, you know, upsets their mm. digestion. But, Roger, you had another thing about 
um, things that eat critters in your garden, don't oh, you? Spiders, yeah. Look, at, I think I probably mentioned this ages ago when I did come in. We didn't get around to talking about it, but there's some research done just on the value of spiders and uh, how much they eat. And, and nobody thinks about this. It was oh, quite no. astounding. Well, that's right. They're, they've done a lot of research. And, uh, I think they were German uh, researchers. And uh, so they did, using data from lots of, I don't know, six, 65, 70 different studies, and they've uh, estimated that uh, spiders feed on an estimate, this is the estimate of 400 to 800 million tonnes of insects and other pests. Um, in comparison, we humans consume about 400 million tonnes of meat and fish. Yes. So that's <laughs> just staggering. And um, so spiders are just so valuable for keeping pests under control. So, And then you have the other part of the food chain is that birds will come and eat spiders mm. too. So it's one of those things you know the the world of ecology is just fantastic the way everything you know is reliant upon something else but uh, the fact that uh, the spiders are eating that you know different things so otherwise we would uh, be overcome and uh, you know it's a bit like uh, other things some of the uh, things that feed upon uh, things like white ants and you know termites the amount that they consume and take back into the soil and uh, replenish the soil. So, yeah. Now, you realise that, that um, the eating habits of spiders is um, and has been used as an excuse by lazy people for a long time <laughs> as to why they don't get round to dusting oh, the cobwebs. Oh, yes. <laughs> we, we don't dust the cobwebs. <laughs> Not looked, outside, anyway. I look, well, I looked in my study the other day and there's quite a few oh, sitting really? up above. Yeah, yeah. You I didn't just, do that. No, but... Um, no, and of course, you know, spiders' webs are, are very important for birds for nesting material too. So uh, things like the endangered helmeted honeyeater, you know, Victoria's bird emblem. You know, mm. they they must have spider webs to to build their nests. Mm. I know the the volunteers for the so-called hehos, the helmeted honeyeater people, they go around collecting fresh. It's got to be fresh, clean, clean webs and they wind them up on sticks and, and, and then take them up to the hills or sanctuary and other places. Really? Where they, yeah, where they use, oh. the, use the webs for, for nests for the helmeted hunters. Okay, okay. There in their breeding programs. Oh, have you ever had that experience of, of walking up the path in the morning? And <laughs> oh. it's, a, it's appeared overnight, you don't see it, you walk straight through it, you feel that stickiness all over your That's face. Right. And then I feel guilty because the poor spider, I've just totally destroyed his but they, web. They'll, they'll respin it the next night. They do, mm. very quickly. Oh, it's quite amazing. And uh, it was even there was a spider eating a spider. It was a, a so-called daddy long legs was eating another type of spider at our place. Other, but it was on this long, thin spider's thread web, uh, probably two metres long. Right. And it... The big spider was down, caught it below, and uh, and I touched it because I thought, you know, it's alive, but it was undoubtedly been, you know, the spider had got it and uh, and uh, calmed it down for a while. Right. And then gradually the spiders, the web started going higher and higher and higher, and uh, the next morning I came out and here's the daddy long legs sucking away, oh. uh, having having a great feed. But yes. It's, um, yeah, so they're all important things for keeping 
other things under control. Absolutely, which mm. is why, um, you know, we're, we're always saying you, you, you have to um, be discriminate in what you use. I mean, we're, on, on the show here, we usually don't advocate spraying at all, but it is so easy for people to see any sort of critter and think mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's not good. Oh, no, that's right. Um, and then you can take out all of your beneficial insects mm-hmm. without thinking. You can totally change the balance of your environment mm-hmm. and put, you know, it, it, it actually creates chaos. Mm-hmm. It does. And, uh, you know, sometimes we want every plant to be looking perfect. And if Which we see... is really, we've got to change yeah. our, our mentality on this. Oh, that's right. And, uh, you know, just because something eats something... Um, doesn't mean it's doing harm. Often it's a good way of uh, of having some pruning done, you know, as far as, yeah. you know, if you do get beetles come on a on a eucalypt and start chewing away at all the top growth, okay, it'll, it might look a bit unsightly for a while, but it, it, it is why, you know, nature's way of pruning to some degree. And so you'll get bushier growth and things like that and maybe even might get more flowers. So. And, and often as soon as the weather changes, they're gone anyway mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because many of them don't like the cold weather, for instance, and no. they'll disappear as soon as it gets cold. Yep. Um, so, you know, just learn to live with it. Oh, that's right. And, and just a nice strong hose can be good. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In, in lot. Yes. Often under the leaves, you know, to yep. just, you know, disperse them and, and upset them a bit. So, yeah, we've just got to live with those sort of things. Mm. I agree. Yeah. If you'd like to tell us what's in flower in your garden, nine four one nine oh one double five. The fog is perhaps clearing now, so you can look out the window and actually see what's outside. <laughs> I think it really is probably going to be a glorious day once that fog totally lifts. So, yeah, uh, no, I think that's right. Yeah, all good. Do give us a call, nine four one nine zero one double five. Okay, what have we got next then, Oh, look, Roger? I've just brought in a couple of different couriers because the couriers, their main flowering time is usually winter, mm-hmm. but you can get some that will flower most of the year. And there's one called Coria backhausiana, which is not – you don't see it around a great deal, but it's a good value courier. Uh, it comes from Tasmania and also just around Portland area of Victoria. But um, – a pale limish green, or maybe a creamish green, limey green. Um, but the the bells are typical courier shaped bells, so they're around about a couple of centimetres or up to three centimetres long and about a centimetre across. But uh, they do light up. We were talking before about you know dullish spots. Uh, if you just on slightly dull days. Um, Corriers of that colour, and there's quite a few Corrier reflects you can get in this colour, and uh, other Corrier Bowlenii, the chef's cap Corrier, is to get this coloration too. Fairly darkish green leaves on the top, uh, oval shaped leaves underneath, they are quite whitish, and uh, but it's a plant. It's a great hedging plant. It'll grow in fairly deep shade. It'll grow in full sunshine, um, and it'll get to about two metres high. Same across. Mm. So Coria Backhausiana, B-A-C-K-H-O-U-S, and then it's E-A-N-A, I think, um, named after a Quaker missionary, James Backhouse, who was out this way at one stage. But uh, Coria Backhausiana, good good one to try. And um, another one, totally different colour, bright 
orangey-pink, maybe, you'd call it, or vermilion even. What colour would you call that, Pam? Oh, well, from here (laughs) under this lighting, it's almost like a a salmon. Yeah, yeah, deep salmon. Mm. Yeah, deep salmon pink, yeah. Um, This is Coria, one of the many, many forms of uh, variants of Coria pulchella. Um, This one resulted as part of a breeding program, and it's called Coria pulchella ring-a-ding-ding. And undoubtedly, that's referring to the bells. The I shape of the flowers, about. yes. Um, it's it's been in flower for probably a month or so now, and it'll go on. There's buds everywhere of and, all sizes. <laughs> yeah, um, and the flowers once again are probably about a bit over two centimetres long, not quite as big as the Coria backhausiana, but lots of them. And uh, the birds will just walk around the ground, the, the wattle birds and the, some of the honey eaters will just walk around on the ground because it only gets to around about 50 centimetres high. Okay. And uh, uh, probably one, I'd say, up to one and a half metres across probably mm. in time. I uh, haven't been around long enough to know exactly, but uh, it's, uh, it's good. And just with any of the couriers, they respond. They're in the citrus family and they respond very well to pruning. So you can uh, prune them back if you want to, you know, shape them up a bit and uh, just rejuvenate them, do, do that sort of thing. But um, Coria pulchellas, generally best in a fair amount of sunshine, but they will take a little bit of shade. Wonderful in a border. Oh, yeah, mm. it's good. Coria pulchella is a South Australian species, and it's quite, it's extremely variable. There's, if people have been to the uh, over near um, Port Lincoln, uh, there's Coffin Bay and, and that area, which are renowned for their oysters and other things, but they're renowned for the Coriopulcalas too. <laughs> Probably more important than oysters, I think, you can't to me. <laughs> no, that, that's right. But just the variation there. You'll see some with broad leaves and flat on the ground, um, and they tolerate alkaline conditions. But most plants that grow in alkaline conditions will also grow in acidic conditions, but usually not vice versa. Vice versa, yeah. Yeah, but it's... Uh, so Coria pulchella, and there's... Um, I had another one somewhere, which is nice, soft, pink, prostrate Coria pulchella too. So, uh, yeah, worth, worth having a look out for Coria pulchella. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, we're going to go to Kinder next, and we have Pam online. Good morning, Pam. Oh, good morning, everybody. Hi, Hi Pam. No fog up here, just frost. Just frost? Just yeah. frost, okay. Yeah. You've had a few already, haven't you, this year? Oh, we've had heaps of them. Yes. Constantly. Friday morning, that was a real doozy. Anyway. Oh, dear. I have to live with it. Um, I wanted to ask Roger, down the bottom of my block, Mm -hmm. um, there's so many changes going on around Kyneton here now, and a lot of them are are at the bottom of my place on the other side of the river. Uh And at the bottom, my block starts in the street, but... Yeah, works its way down to the river, so it's quite steep, and it yes. faces south. Yeah, and at the bottom, right next to the river, right near the river, I have a row of hawthorn trees, mm-hmm. which is the boundary of my block, which I don't want to cut down because they're the only shelter that I have yes. now. And I wanted to plant around those um, to sort of thicken it up. Yeah, and I was thinking of. Um, is it river tea tree? I was thinking of tea tree because it's very, um, it gets very, well, not very wet, it drains, but it does get wet yeah, down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was wondering if there was anything 
that you could suggest, um, because they're going to replant now that they've cut everything out of the river and the river is just a bare drain, they're mm -hmm. going to replant down there and it'll be very interesting to see what grows and what dies. Yeah, um, yeah. And I just need to thicken up my place. And I thought of river tea trees. Well, we'd worked out they might work. But I was just wondering if you agreed with that or if... Or if you could suggest something else. Yeah, okay. It's a hard one, I know, Roger. Yeah, no, look... Because that... it's a very difficult spot and you're sitting there and I'm here sort of thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, no, look, they, they, they would would go okay. Also, there's the um, River Callistamon. Uh... Oh, is that the white-flowered one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've got a couple... Yeah. Um, they're very slow growing. They can be. They can yeah. be. Yeah. But they, I've got a couple that have been in for about five years, but they are still growing, and they're just now starting to come on. So uh -huh. Uh -huh. I could try those as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's also a thing called tree violet. Um, oh yes, I have. I have one. They're, they're native to this area, isn't I, I, I think they are. I yeah. think they are. And um, Sidonia Landcare had a day one day and that we went out there and they were talking about the trees and they took us in a bus around the area. It was the most wonderful day. And they had some plants there and they had tree violets. And so I put three in down the bottom. And this is generally par for the course for me. I put in three and I get one to grow nicely. Oh, okay. Okay. So that's okay. I can live with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I have one growing now nicely down the bottom. So, yeah, actually, I didn't think of those again. I yeah, might see yeah. if I can get in touch with the land care crowd. Yeah, and, that's right. And that, see if I can get a few more. Yeah, that I, I would say it'd be good to talk to them mm. um, and uh, and just see what they suggest. Because, yeah, it, it's, it can be difficult uh, yeah. just to try and suggest the, the right things over over the radio. It, but it, uh, yeah. by talking to, to some of those people... Just, yeah, but yeah. the cholestamin, I didn't think of more yeah. of those. I will, and I will um, get in touch with them about the tree violet. Yeah, and yeah. I think um, Gwen said once that I should actually... I lost a lot of my bigger corriers, corrier elbers and all, when we got the really wet weather. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they just yeah. didn't like it at all. No. I'd grown them for about four or five years, and then all of a sudden they... And I mean, I knew it was the wet yeah. that had done it. Is there any corrier that you would suggest might do better? There's the common old... What's the common one that I've got? Some growing. I don't know. There's Coria reflexa. Yeah, that's what it would have been. Yeah, yeah. Coria Lorenziana may be yeah. one, but it it'll tolerate cold. Mm. Yeah, uh, and it it comes from you know areas where it does get they get plenty of rain. Yeah, it's usually you know f fairly well drained. Yeah, and this is the thing you know being members of the citrus family, most of them don't like to have waterlogging. That's the thing. I do have some, I think it's reflexa that I've got, uh -huh, up uh -huh. on a higher bank and underneath a row of pear trees, actually, yeah. the ornamental pears. And, and yeah. They're looking really nice. They're doing very well. Okay. And, and Coria glabra is one. Oh, yes. That that would be, you know, it, uh, it's even native to your area, I think. Um, yeah. 
and uh, there are creamish ones. There are also reddish ones. Yeah. Um, and and they're usually good, good reliable plants. They tend to be, they tend to tolerate a bit of um, heavier water logging, you know, than some yeah. of the others. Yep. I mean, they're such pretty plants, and the birds just love them. Oh yeah, that's right. Mm. They're and good. They give good. you that lovely cover. Yeah. For good. the birds. And, good. Good habitat. Yeah. Yeah, and they're, they're, I know the willows and the hawthorns are. Um, Oh, but but you know the habitat that they created. Oh yeah, well that's. And I'm oh, it just devastated me. Yeah, <laughs> that, anyway. that's right. And sometimes, <clears throat> you know, so undoubtedly willows and some other plants can be problem plants. But it, the idea is to take them out gradually and replace. Yeah, you know, no, this is no. the thing for for bird we habitat. Have a yeah. Bare yeah. canvas, unfortunately. Mm. I, I hope to goodness we don't have any floods in between them now. Yes. Anyway. Well, yes. Yeah. Um. So that's lovely, and and thank you very much for your help. It's interesting to listen. Okay. Thank you so much, Roger. Good on you, Pam. Bye-bye. That number again, if you'd like to join us, uh, you do have about half an hour to uh, jump on the phones, 94190155. That's 94190155. You are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show, and in the studio we do have Gwen and Roger Elliott this morning. Gwen, what are you dishing out there? Well, I'm just looking in this um, bundle of little tiny things that um, we picked from the garden. And there's a couple here that, you know, they're not Waratahs, uh, but they're really amongst my favourites. Um, <clears throat> the first one is called Golden Buttons, Chrysocephalum. Chryso meaning golden and cephalum meaning heads. They're little ground cover. It's a little ground cover. Um, it can sucker lightly. It's not a nuisance at all, and it has these little yellow buttons. Uh, how do what up up to up to a centimetre across? You know, like a little button, yellow to really bright orange, and they start flowering. Oh, I don't know when they stop flowering. They start flowering maybe August September and go through till. April, May, June, mm. you know, and then, uh, well, there's a north-south line in the Cranbourne Botanic Gardens that's got in it, and a couple of weeks ago they just put um, a mower, or I imagine it was a ride-on mower with a high blade, right down the whole line and just, you know, mowed it right off. Okay. Uh, and they'll come again beautifully. Um, so once a year, if all the flowers have finished and are looking a bit Brown and deadish. Mine are looking a bit, a bit. You know, the rain. I think and the, yeah. and the cold. They've they've started to go a bit brownish. Well, not perhaps the ride on mower, but certainly some no. <laughs> some hedge clippers. You yeah. know, you could just go right over it. Um, or you can be more selective if you want to. You can grow bits from cuttings if you want to do that. Um, but. Uh, you know, common name is Golden Buttons, and I would say you would buy this at almost any nursery, um, from you know your box stores through to your little local nursery, uh, because it flowers well in a fifteen centimetre pot, and that's what nurseries find they can sell uh, well. But it's really well worth growing in most conditions. Likes a sunny spot, uh, but. Chrysocephalum, C-H-R-Y-S-O, meaning gold, and cephalum, meaning head, C-E-P-H-A-L-U-M. There aren't many chrysocephalums. This one is um, Apiculatum. But if you just say chrysocephalum, golden buttons, 
you would get this plant. There are a couple of different forms. Some have got greener leaves, some have got greyer leaves, flat on the ground and perhaps to about a metre across, but well worth well worth growing in almost any garden or tub. Yeah, as far as cutting back, even if you just separate the foliage out right. and if you're starting to see new growth come down the bottom, that's the time to, to prune. Okay. And you can cut right back. It's quite as hard, as long as you've got that new growth coming. Right, yeah. okay. And the other one I've got with it combines very nicely because this is a lovely mauve flower, brachycomb. I think its common name is cutleaf daisy, but the brachycomb flowers, it's a daisy flower, mauve petals or bracts or whatever they are. No, petals. They are petals mm. with a, a yellow centre to it um, and oh, a couple of centimetres across and again... This can flower 11 months of the year, similar treatment almost to the golden buttons. Uh, there are a number of... Not uh, quite as drastic. All right. Not quite as drastic. God, that's <laughs> something for Roger to say that. He is a drastic <laughs> pruner. He really is. But, um, okay, but you can certainly trim this back to keep it off your path or whatever you might want to do. There's lots of brachycombs. They can be pink, white, mauve or deep purple. Well worth growing. That's enough for me because you've got a lot of people waiting. We've got a couple of callers, yes. First up, we're going to go to Karen, who's in St Kilda. Good morning, Karen. Yeah, morning, everybody. Um, This is mainly for Gwen because, Gwen, you were saying what lovely uh, birds you've got in your garden. Mm. First first of all, I've got, at the moment, flowering arbutus Mm -hmm. and a loquat. Yes. Which is unusual, yeah. So anyway, so I planted all these trees in my garden to attract the birds. Mm -hmm. And now one of my um, neighbours has got one of these killer cats. Mm. So the cat hides next door because I chase it away. Mm -hmm. And my garden is absolutely silent now. Silent spring, yeah. I've I've buried a couple of little doves. Uh Mm. Um, I've found feathers where where they... You know, the ground feeders are the ones that actually yeah. yes. have the hardest time. Yeah, so that, I don't that, know. It's a real problem. It's it's a problem um, in terms of the physical thing and it's also a problem in terms of neighbourhood relationships. Um, well, I haven't said anything. Oh, no. But it, it's also killed uh, a baby possum. Mm, yeah. Mm. Um, about all I can suggest is... Um, Having a, a hose close by with a strong spurt on it. Oh and no, they leave it. Uh, um, they leave it out at night. Oh, I know. They? Yeah. So it's, yeah. It's, uh, it's and it hides behind the fence yeah. next door, and I can hear it when I walk around the garden. I hear it run. Mm. Uh-huh. I mean, but you can get from your shire um, a pamphlet, a, 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 a possum trap, a cat trap oh. that the cat can go into. Um, and then you can take it down to the local pound or something. But as I said, you've got to weigh up the the neighbourhood relationships with the... Well, it's somebody's pet because I've oh, seen no. them outside, you know, hugging and kissing it. Mm. 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 That's, it's it's not I was going to suggest if yeah. the council have a um, a little pamphlet about uh, about keeping your cats indoors at night, you could perhaps some, in, just pop it in their letterbox. Letterbox. What a good idea, yeah. yeah. That, 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 that way they'll just get the hint without uh, you having to actually speak to them at all. That's right. And the, and the trouble is, though, it kills the birds in the day and the yes. possums at night. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. 
No, it's a diffi- difficult situation and, and just hopefully that, um, you know, the word is getting around that it's much better for people to keep their cats indoors uh, wherever possible. Or well, I, I don't most. think they can actually catch it sometimes because I've heard them calling. Oh, yeah, calling, it hasn't calling responded. It. Mm. Mm. Yeah. it just just doesn't want to come back. No. Yeah. Oh, well. Mm. All right, well, good luck with it. All right, thank you so much. Okay, okay. bye. Okay. Bye for now. Uh, next we have uh, Frank in Craigieburn. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, all. Hi, Frank. Uh, I always find you very interesting. Good, good. good. Uh, Gwen and uh, Roger. Good. Thank you. As, as regards uh, flowers, mm-hmm. I think the snowdrops are having a hard time to pop up. Are they? At this time of the year. Okay. I think it's mid-winter, isn't it? Well, what? What the... I've got a few uh, bottle bushes still flowering. Yeah, know? yeah. I know it's um, there, there's a few things that uh, are flowering, and uh, some maybe are flowering just a little bit out of season too. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I just had a look around the bottle bushes. They seem to do well where I live. Good, good. Bottle bushes. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, but what I want to talk about is a. Uh, a few weeks, uh, a while back, I heard someone say that all plants. That have buds after flowering are legumes. No, don't think so. Like the same as peas, you know, peas and beans. Yep. The, 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 what you call put nitrogen back into yeah, the Yeah, that's right, yeah. Oh, yeah all, the, all the ones that have pods. Oh, yes. pods. Yes. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. I thought you said buds, but I now uh, realise you mean pods. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's probably right. Yeah. Um, well, what about the water? Like that? Yeah. Uh, yep. Yes. Yeah, that's very good. Uh, they put the. Uh, uh, like nitrogen, nitrogen yeah. back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, they have nitrogen fixing things on their roots. Little. Oh, that applies to the native plants too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes. oh, yeah. Even even she oaks, casuarinas have that capability of oh, putting. Plenty of she oaks and uh, yeah. There's a, like then there's a weed called we used to call them tarts. Tar, like a, a little. What uh, people call them a weed? I think they are weeds. But the uh, the other purple pea like sweet pea like flower. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's one or two people around here ask me what to call them. Well, I'll just say tares, tars or something. Oh, yeah, that might be a vetch. One of what Not also called. Not lucerne or no, the, the purple <laughs> flower with with slightly ferny leaves. Is Frank, it, it, can you come out this time of the year? Yeah, they're very prolific. You know, they, they grow. Mm-hmm. But the uh, I was wondering, do you have a pea like uh, bud when the? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Yeah, they they would. I wonder if they'd put the nitrogen packet on. Oh yeah, they would. Yeah, yeah. All all your, all your legumes are good at doing that. All right then. Yeah. And what a lot a lot of people do with what they call a green manure crop. Oh yes, I is, know that. Um, yes. That they use yes. plants in the legume family. Notice that. And then they dig it back into the soil before oh, the plant itself has used up all the nitrogen that it's produced. Good. So that. That does help poor soils to um, give them structure and make them ready for, you know, other plants to take advantage of. There's one uh, plant here, a plant, the gravelli, gravelli. Is that Gravelia? Right? It's it's um, it's neglected, yet a wonderful uh, plant, aren't they? Oh yes, some of them, some some plants you can neglect, others you can't. <laughs> but yeah. Do you seem to seem to uh, be a good ground covers, you know? Oh yeah, mm. yeah. Oh, well, that's yeah. good for out your way and your heavy soils. Yeah, I, I, the loveliest garden I saw, I can't help looking at it when I go by, is, is the conifer. You know, that it kept low. 
Uh-huh. That's just wonderful ground cover too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, then I'll let you go. Thanks. All right. Okay. All Thanks, Frank. Bye, Bye. Frank. Just a couple of we've got here that we haven't mentioned at all yet. This one, it's off our shrub in a pot called Lots of Lemons. Yes. It just, all the year round, I mean, if you've got a small place, don't think you haven't got room for a lemon. Um, ours is in a pot which is oh, two foot across oh, and two yeah. foot deep. Yeah, it's fairly, fair, fairly big. Fairly yeah, it's, big it's in a large pot, yeah. but it's almost got lemons on it 12 months of the mm. year. Mm-hmm. Uh, great. And we've also brought in... Three different um, native citrus, and Pam's brought in a couple of native citrus. So, you know, there's one plant called, uh, it was called micro citrus, but now it's Citrus Australassica. And CSIRO did a lot of breeding with this one, crossed it with lemons and kumquats and calamondons and all sorts of things. That's right. And so now you've got some. So they're not really native now. Well, plants, yeah, it's arguable, isn't plants it? aren't. <laughs> but they taste good. That's right. And they taste good. Uh, their fruit is a bit like, uh, it's globules, a bit like caviar. You can get uh, red um, fruit in the centre. You can get yellow fruit in the centre. Once again, our native citrus, and we've got three of them, are all in large tubs. And one would have several hundred little fruits on them, much smaller than the lemon, of course, just a couple of centimetres uh, by almost a couple across. Pam's brought the um, original finger lime and hers would be oh, six centimetres long by a couple of centimetres across. Uh, but consider them, you usually have to buy them grafted um, from nurseries uh, and so they're expensive but... Oh, so much pleasure we They're get very from prickly. Ours. I think people need they to, re- yes. to realise that they are prickly. The uh, sunrise lime, which has pear-shaped thing, I just eat them straight off the bush. It does. But when they're ripe, they're just lovely. Mm. <laughs> you know, they're, they're not, not sour. No, well, this little one too, yeah. this isn't fully ripe yet, so no. I, I, I picked this early just to bring it in. Yeah. Um, but when it when it's fully ripe, it's beautifully sweet, yeah. mm. and and good for marmalades and things too. Those you, they're, they're yeah. good, and uh, but so yeah, the sunrise lime is probably the least prickly one. <laughs> okay, and um, it's one that keeps. I had a bit of a problem with it, just die back of branches. I don't know whether you had this and some other people had this last year. No, and, mine are uh, fine. Yeah, just there was some die back. There was something. Um, Often in the middle of the stem, there was like some fungal thing. Okay. Uh, but anyway, I just pruned, pruned them back and they, yep. they came back yep. fine. So, uh, but uh, yeah, so they're worth looking at. Well, like you, mine are both growing in pots. Yeah. Yep. Um, they, they have been in pots now for several years, doing extremely well. And the other thing is they are not in much, all that much sun. Yeah. That's, hmm. that's... Um, they, they're getting a bit of easterly sun. Yep. But yep. Um, they're, they're in a fairly shaded um, can you know yeah, well, environment? The, the finger lime that in its native state tends to be in semi-shaded or even well, it'd shaded. Would have to be understock, yeah, surely? Yeah, so yeah, um, yeah. yeah, and its native environment is southeastern Queensland. Yep, northeastern New South Wales. Mm-hmm, hmm, yep. But it still likes us down here. Yeah, no, they're good. Um, once you get them established, I mean, they are prolific. Um, you know, my, my long finger lime, I've just had so many on it. And mm. last year, the same. Um, they just suddenly decided to all drop on me 
all at once. So I, I went out and the ground was littered with them all. Because so. yeah. the one you've got, that's a pinkish. It's inter- pink inside, so yeah, you can little get, pink globules. I, th- I think there are about three different selections. There are. Different, different mm. coloured fruit. Um, yeah, depending on what they're yeah. crossed with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's, uh, oh, no, they're, they're, they're good, good value and... Uh, you know, you can make some nice marmalades. You know, even if you want to mix them up with, uh, you know, orange or lemon, or making marmalades. And Good. we have one friend who has oh, half a dozen of them growing in a row on their property, and they are very keenly sought after and purchased by a local restaurant. Oh yes, yeah. so the yes. chefs like them. Mm. They they they're wonderful as a garnish. Mm. Um, mm. I can I can vouch for them on oysters and smoked salmon. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're just these tiny little bursts of, of citrus flavour. They're, mm. they're really oh, good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they are yep. good. Mm. A couple of kangaroo paws. There's still some kangaroo paws in flower. Um, some are finished now. Some you would be cutting back now to, you know, get them ready to put up their flower spikes again later in the year. But have a look at your local nurseries, see what they've got in flower now. And if you're looking for things to flower in your garden in winter, in June, it is June now, of course, um, pop along to your nurseries and have a look. Because, you know, I, I said before, popping along to local gardens and botanic gardens to see what's in flower. Nurseries also need our support at this time of year, I think. You know, it's um, not easy being a, a nursery in winter and... Uh, it's important to us as gardeners that we have a big range of nurseries. So pop along to your nursery. Most of them, lots of them have coffee shops now. Pop up, pop in there, have some refreshment and also have a good look at what's available at the moment. Yeah. So we've got a question coming up about rotary hoeing. Yes, and I instantly go, <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> Um, I'd I'd be curious, because Sally's in Torquay, I'd be curious how sandy the soil is where she is. Yeah, because some part's not too sandy there. Yes, that's right. I mean, normally I would say don't ever rotary hope. I really Mm. wouldn't. You're just creating problems for yourself. You're compacting, you're forming sumps uh, because you're creating that you're losing all, all your top... Um, topsoil part where all your mycorrhizals and yeah because I think it, one, yeah one of the problems is people often hire a rotary hoe for a day so they think they get think their they can do the whole lot done in one <laughs> get go good value. get good yeah, value and go that's right. over and over and over so it if, really probably deep ripping if you've got a big area it's much better just to deep rip that's right if it's not a big area to use fork a it. good fork yeah. Uh, even if you even if you fork it over twice mm. to really mm. really get the, your tithe night lice and loose, and, mm. but I, I definitely wouldn't recommend no, rotary hoeing. Yeah, what happened, especially if in your heavy heavy soils, a rotary hoe the blade goes round and round, and if you do it too much, you get a. A hard pan on the base. Which, That's right. You which form can this become, sump, which will hold water. Yeah, and it becomes quite shiny sometimes if you yeah. dig down, and so the water just doesn't go through. Yeah. And the other thing is that Sally's saying she's wanting to make a vegetable garden now. Vegetables really need a lot of aeration in their soil. The roots have to be out, particularly if you're planting a root crop or something. Mm-hmm. They have to be able to get down. Mm-hmm. So if if you've um, you know created this pan like effect under underneath your, the top mm. of your soil, 
the, the veggies aren't going to like it at no, all. No, they really aren't. No. They need good drainage. Mm. Um, so I, I would and, – and the other thing mm. is that vegetables don't need all that deeper soil. No. I mean, generally, even if you're thinking about, well, probably parsnips is probably the one that m- needs the, the deepest soil. Yeah. But most of you, I mean, your leafy greens don't need much no, depth of no, soil no. anyway. As I see, they're just asking, yeah. you know, how deep should they fork it? Well, if you can go down your depth of your fork. The depth fork. of the fork would be fine. And, mm. uh, you know, if you still feel it's, it's really quite lumpy and not broken up, then I'd, I'd do it again. Mm. I mm. know it's a lot of work, but... It's going to be worth it. Once it's done once, it's easy to fluff it over each year. It's good exercise, Pam. Yeah, it absolutely <laughs> is. <laughs> so, I've just done it in yeah, one of my yeah, one no. of my patches, so I know. <laughs> no, no, no. So yeah, with with a fork you get variation in, in the bottom. Yes. And so that means drainage is better. Yep. So uh, yep. So Sally, uh, we'd say probably don't rotary hoe, but if you've got a big area and uh, you can get somebody to Look, come put on to- a barbecue. Get a couple <laughs> of young guys in there, and uh, they'll have it done in no time. They'll yeah. love doing it. Otherwise, to deep rip, just to go up and down with a deep ripping thing, and that that only needs to go down. Well, not even half a metre. Uh, you know, thirty, forty centimetres or so. Yeah. Um, yep. And 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 that'll that'll be good. That'll break, and then you can just fork it over. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. the veggies will love you for it. Yep. Okay. We are running through. We've got about 10 minutes. If someone wants to jump on the phone very quickly, that number is 94190155. What have you got there, Rog? Got a little plant called a stylidium, a trigger plant. And there's a huge range of trigger plants. And some of them are a bit of a challenge to grow. Right. But you can grow them in pots. And uh, it's some really wonderful. Most of the ones... They occur in Western Australia, but there's some Eastern Australian ones mm-hmm. too. And but there's a, one here called the circus trigger plant, and I was trying. I meant to look up and try and work out why they call it a circus trigger plant. Well, I won't it, ask you. No, then. no. <laughs> but it's stylidium, and now stylidium is S T Y L I D I U M, and it's called bulbiferum, B U L B I F E R U M, and they call it bulbiferum because it it forms roots. Uh, they're not bulbs, but they have these little slender, quite slender, spreading stems, and you get clusters of foliage, upright foliage, come off there, and then at these bottom of these clusters, you get new roots. And now's the time uh, to cut off those little yes. new roots. Yep. Repot. Yep. And on this plant, which is in a 14-centimetre pot, you would probably get nearly 50 new plants, I'd suggest. Um, so, And if you want to go to the nursery at this stage, because <laughs> what happens, the nurseries usually sell them when they're in full flower. Right. And so that's not the time to, to, to do it. And uh, being an The excellent... plant will tell you when to do it because yeah. you can really see the obvious roots. Oh, yeah, and they're just... And they have they're like stilt roots. Mm. They go along. Mm. And because where they grow in the sand is in Western Australia, sand and uh, ironstone gravels, um, they actually just support the, 
their stems by these roots go down. So if that was planted out in the ground, that would just go on increasing until you have a really decent-sized clump. Yeah, yeah, long as the conditions are right. Okay. So I'd tend to, for for most places in Victoria, unless you're a mad keen stylidium grower, and there are a few stylidium (laughs) nuts nuts around, because they're fantastic plants. I don't know if people have played with the triggers, but they have this little trigger which sits behind the, the flower, and when an insect lands, it goes clonk and uh, lands on the back of the insect and puts some pollen there and the insect struggles out, goes to another flower and same thing will happen again. again. Yeah. And then the triggers re- actually reset. They've got this fantastic way of resetting the triggers. And a lady long time ago, Rika Erickson, her name, she's renowned as being the, the queen of trigger plants, uh, she did a lot of work on the, the time they take to reset their triggers. Oh, really? Yeah, and they vary from spe- often from Yeah, well, that makes species, sense. You know, so, but, uh, so, yeah, look, they're a, a wonderful group of plants. The flowers can be very colourful. This one's an apricot coloured. They can be pink. You can get bright yellows. You can get oranges in different um, trigger plants and sometimes combinations of colours. So if you want a little challenge, buy a, buy a trigger plant, a stylidium. There's a, the grassleaf trigger plant from Victoria, a stylidium graminifolium, um, and, and that you know you can grow that in gardens, but they need good drainage because mm. uh, sometimes if they get too wet, they just rot okay. and they go. Yep. But they also often produce quite a bit of seed, so you get little seedlings coming up. But So st- this one, stylidium... Bulbifrum, and even the nursery, when they're selling them, says, I'm a fuss pot. So they like, you know, a bit of special treatment. But uh, So Stylidium, Bulbifrum, stilt roots, and there's some some other, other ones that, uh, you know, yeah, there's even yellow-flowered ones. There's, there's a whole range. There's okay. about over 200 different Stylidiums, and mainly in Australia. Right. So they're just a good little group of interesting plants, especially good for kids, you know. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Seeing that there has sort of taken me back in thought to my days when I used to work at Karanga Nursery at Mount Evelyn and reminded me they often used to, have, or maybe still do, have them in their sales. And I think they always have a sale on Queen's Birthday weekend, and that's next weekend. So, I mean, you could look it up on their website, which is www.karanga.com.au. But I'm pretty sure you'll find that uh, they're still having their Queen's birth. Is it Queen's birthday? Yes, yes. it is. Yes. Yes. It is next <laughs> um, weekend. Next weekend, we still sale. have a Queen. It might even start. <laughs> might even start um, today. You know, have a week before or a week after. I usually do get notification from Karanga, but um, for some reason it hasn't arrived. Hasn't arrived yeah. yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I'm sure. I mean, it, <coughs> it's always been an annual event. It is. Big, um, it is. If you want to, yeah, I've just looked. If it's one one eight York Road, Mount Evelyn. If you want to give them a ring, nine seven six zero eight one zero zero. And of course, they've got a fantastic range of of Australian natives. Probably most of what we've been talking about this morning, they would have in stock. And if if they haven't, they have got an order book system. If you're looking for one of those. Um, obscurianas that Roger was talking about, they'll put your name down in the order book and let you know when they can access it for you. And they do make special efforts to try and get any plant that somebody asks for that they haven't got. Mm. 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 Uh, 
Now, no. um, this is a query that's come in from the outside line. I've been given two stone pine seedling trees um, shot from Lebanese pine seeds. Uh, I need to repot and don't want to lose them. Do I need <coughs> uh, micro uh, riser okay. and what kind? I, I don't know about the mycorrhizal aspect, but they, they should be okay just to repot in a, in a good quality potting mix. Um, I'm wondering whether, um, I'm thinking, should ringing conifer gardens up in the Dandenongs, would they? Yeah, yeah they might that be a good help. one. Yeah, uh, here, yeah. I've got it here. Conifer Gardens Nursery would probably be able to give that listener some assistance. They're open seven days a week, and the phone number is 97551793. So there's a lot of specialists out there, and I would mm. think that would be a good place. 97551793, and they're in Fernie Creek, Conifer Gardens Nursery. Mm. I mean, they are <coughs> already actually seedling trees so they've established mm. their their root system so they should be okay i would, I would have so. thought yeah i would think so yeah, yeah. if they're special it's worth going to oh absolutely special <clears throat> if it's to find out you can never you can never go wrong with having too much information no, no. absolutely we've just got time for one more maybe right yeah a, a good foliage plant as well as flowering plant and i should have spoken about this when we were talking about foliage but this is um veronica perfoliata now perfoliata means that the the leaves uh go around the stem so p-e-r-f-o-l-i-a-t-a but veronica perfoliata low clumping plant grayish foliage and um quite sizable leaves they're uh, broad oval-shaped leaves that tend to join up at the base and go around the stem. And then it has these beautiful pale blue flowers and they're just starting to come into flower. And that'll flower now probably right through into summer. So it'll go go for a long time. Um, rejuvenate this plant, you just tend to cut it back. Okay. Not and again, a greyish foliage? Grey, greyish foliage. Yes. And um, it, it'll just tend to... the the branches will, will not cascade, but they'll go out. They're slightly arching, okay. and uh, so it may. If you don't prune it back, it may build up to around about half a meter or so in height. Mm-hmm. But you can keep it down below that. And uh, but the Veronica, the poor plant has had lots of different names. It might still be sold as Duwentia perfoliata, and then. Uh, I'm trying to remember. It had another name. Wasn't Parahebe, was yeah, it? Yeah, Parahebe perfoliata. Mm. So, but they're all in Veronica's, so they're all related to those New Zealand cousins, which are lots of uh, Veronica's in New Zealand. But it, it's and there's quite a bit of variation. You can get some with quite long, narrow leaves. This okay. Is, this is the broad leaf form. Right. Of it, uh, but it, it's a, a lovely, dainty plant. Mm. Mm. And does it only flower on the tips, yeah, Roger? Yeah, it does. Yeah. So you get these little sprays along the tips and you might get in those sprays probably for maybe 50, 60, 70 flowers and they'll just keep flowering. On right. The so they go for a long time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good, good good thing. Many, many in that um, family? Yeah, yeah, look, there are. It's in the Scrofularia family, which is... Uh, um, 
And there's uh, one called, uh, the names are gone, Dewentiana. Yeah, there is one called Dewentiana, uh, which is a white flower, a shrubby, All right. a tall shrubby one. Right. And there's Ver- Veronica Nivea, which has got very finely divided foliage, uh, comes up the alpine areas. Um, and so, yeah, there's a few different ones in there, but they're, they're nice, nice plants. But if, if you went into a nursery and just asked for a Veronica, would yeah, they it, know what you're talking about? As long as you said perfoliata. Perfoliata. Yeah. 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 And, uh, or Dewentia perfoliata might still be. Yeah. Okay. okay we've had a, a quick query from um, Hugh on the outside line. Uh, he wants to know if uh, for Cray... Is it for Crayer? Yeah. Fatida? I don't think is so. Is it native? But we'll, we'll find out for him. Okay. Well, if you can let me know, I can I can mention next week. But you don't yeah. think it is? I don't think it is, but yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. We have run out of time for another week. Oops. A huge thank you to, uh, to the two of you for coming in this morning and all those wonderful plants we've been talking about. Okay. Also, uh, a big thank you to Vicky, who's been handling all the phones for us this morning. You have been listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. We will be back again uh, next Sunday morning, of course, at uh, 7.30. Uh, we'd love to hear from you then. But until then... Bye for now.